Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there and welcome back. It's episode 76 of Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today we're delighted to be joined by Janie Lee Grace. Janie Lee is a presenter, author and founder of The Sober Club and also a podcaster with uh, Alcohol-Free Life, which is um, another brilliant sober podcast. And um, we're yeah really delighted to have her on and talk about her sober journey and um, what uh, she is doing in the sober world. So um, we always start with a check-in. So hi, Kate. Hi, Janie. Hi. Hi. Um, how are you doing? So we'll start with you, Janie. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm okay. The sun is shining and that's amazing. I'm really grateful for that. Um, I'm, I'm coping all right. I've, I'm finding that it's really interesting. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but there's there's kind of two types of people. I'm finding that, that a lot of people I'm connecting with are, are um, sort of introverts and they're loving it and they're doing the garden and they're baking and they're right, you know, creative and they're, they're really kind of embracing all of this, which is amazing. And uh, my husband is a composer, so he's just like, this is just amazing magical for him he can hole up um and then there's other people who are like kind of just desperate to get out and I'm afraid I am one of them actually I'm Mm. desperate to see the sea but in this present moment I'm fine yeah it's interesting isn't it I think uh it's a day-to-day switch between yeah (laughs) and you Kate I think our our switch of my emotional rollercoaster oh today oh god me and Mandy were talking earlier on whatsapp and I just have I you know yesterday was a really good day and today I'm really I, I just feel frustrated and gnarly and I don't know I've got the inner critic, which hasn't Mm. been around for quite a long time, but the inner critic is really piping up at the moment. So the good good thing about lockdown is that I've got a bit of time later to do a bit of journaling Mm. (laughs) and work out what it's all about. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm all right. How are you, man? Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, I'm sort of, well, we should be in America now as a family. We'd we're planning to be uh yeah away it's sort of two two years in the planning sort of family trip so um working through that really and trying to sort of I don't know not make it a massive deal and keep reminding the kids and make it kind of this catastrophic sort of thing but at the same time kind of just honor that time together and I just feel a bit sort of Mm. I'm never going to get that I mean, obviously, we'll try and do the trip again next year and stuff like that, but it just will never be the same. They won't be that same age, that same, it just won't. So, yeah, I'm just feeling a bit a bit sad, but, you know, in the bigger mm. scheme of things, you know, it's all relative, isn't it? Mm. So, mm. yeah, it's funny old times. <laughs> um, so we always start um, the podcast sort of with your sober journey if that's all right Janie tell us a little Mm. bit about you know what was the what brought you to the decision to go alcohol free 
Yeah, well, it was a long time coming. Um, I have a very long drinking career. <laughs> um, I didn't ever have any rock bottom moments. Um, and so I was, you know, that classic grey area drinker. You know, we now know the term. And, and, and I stopped for a while and then went back. And I, you know, I, I kind of, um, I was a typical, I suppose, uh, um, woman who who used wine to reward myself at the end of a busy day you know how that feels that kind of treat mm. um, and then I think you know the drinking kind of just ramped up um, actually I can kind of pinpoint that it ramped up when my kids were uh, were young I've got four kids and they were the youngest one at that time I think was probably about three and we moved house and we moved near to um a kind of high street where there were wine bars and stuff and like, god that was that was the downfall because it meant I could sort of uh, I had this idea in my head that I needed me time and um you know after a frantically busy day working and trying to deal with the kids if there was someone that could look after the kids uh I would escape for the me time sometimes with my husband sometimes alone and I think that was when it really ramped up so it became daily drinking and then of course it escalated and you know you know you know how it mm. goes and and the, the bottom line is I didn't have an off switch you know I, I I wasn't built with an off switch so uh so it was never just one um and and I think there were uh, I've tried to think back to to you know to sort of look recognize my own thought process and and, and I actually think I probably had a good 10 years of knowing logically that something was wrong knowing that I that this wasn't right I shouldn't be drinking and you know the the amount I was and the the, the depend level of dependence you know every day um and then it, towards the last sort of I don't know three years uh, of the of the drinking I was waking up at 3 a.m mm -hmm. and it was literally 3 a.m I used to look at the clock sometimes just to amuse myself you know um but not that anything else was very amusing about that period <laughs> of time it was absolutely hideous and I would wake I would wake up and literally, it would there'd be a whole conversation went on for God knows how long in my head with, you know, what are you, what are you doing? You are meant to be, you know, into health and well-being. I, I run a website all about holistic living. I've written books on holistic living. I'm queen of natural living, for God's sake, you know. And this voice in my head would say, "This is so not authentic. What are you doing?" Mm. And then I would just sort of have an argument with myself, really. Um, and that went on for years. And then by sort of six o'clock the next evening, you know, the, uh, the other voice came in my head, which was the wine witch, you know, saying, God, you've had a busy day. You mm. deserve a nice Sauvignon Blanc, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and it would all just start over again. Um, and that really went on for years. Um, do, you, do you want me to carry on? Well, no, I mean, <laughs> or, I just, yeah. You heard enough. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I think we can both definitely relate to that story and it's really interesting that um moving house seems like quite a kind of pinnacle moment mm. because both Kate and mm. I had that and and we've noticed that there's the sort of thing of when you know you have a family and and you make these big transitions you know you, a lot of people mm. will either move to the countryside or you know move to a bigger house that's what Kate did like le left her ties in Brighton to move out to sort of you know the countryside to a bigger house we moved to um to another part of the town we were living in France so those sort of shifts um can really impact on like our mm. habits and yeah just how we feel and also the thing of escaping and it being me time I I totally relate yeah. to that 
Um, and I was just thinking to myself because I've always so many people say 3 a.m. But mine yeah. was always four. And um, so I'm was like, it? why is it always four? Yeah, but you're always late. No, but then it, that, that, oh, you're always bloody late. No, but then late. I thought, well, it's because I'm in France. It's like, it's, it's an hour delay. I've suddenly worked it out. I was like, oh, my God. There must be something, like, within, you know. But anyway, um, so I feel, be- I feel like I'm part of the 3 a.m. club. Just... Well, you know, they, they, they always say that there is actually kind of a a, 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 a a physiological reason because around 3 a.m. is when your liver mm. is trying to repair. Yeah. So that's yeah. probably the reason we're waking up. Yeah. In your case, your yeah. liver's a bit delayed. Well, and, and probably the, but the whole sort of lifestyle is a bit delayed, you know, because we tend to eat later in France. We tend to go to bed later. Mm. So there probably is that sort of element to it. Um, but there's also, it's quite interesting, you know, you are picking up on Mandy's point as well about the moving house and also the, the having of the, the family kids, yeah. and these kinds of, yeah, and this and this sort of feeling that, that, you know, life being impactful on women as well. I mean, it's impactful on everyone, but those kind of major transitions in your home life and then you, you know, into motherhood. And those, you know, there's a lot of women out there, I think, who could relate to that thinking, well, I don't think I I haven't really identified I had a problem before that. I was Mm. just kind of having probably drinking a bit too much, but having quite a nice time. And then suddenly all the wheels kind of fall off the wagon. And I'm wondering what, well, not off the wagon, but, you know, that is suddenly, I would say, dance centre stage somehow, slowly pirouetted Mm. to the centre of my stage and kept me in this kind of dance sort of thing and um yeah I'm just wondering what you know if you can identify some of the feelings around that time yeah well I I know that I um I, I know that I knew I needed to stop I, I I mean my feeling was always I need this me time I need this treat this re- reward one was never enough and I I um, I did notice that and then because of the work I do, you know, I, I, I see lots of therapists and, and, and practitioners and various things. And so I remember even maybe even five years before I stopped, I remember mentioning this sometimes to sort of therapists and saying, I remember actually saying to them, um, you know, I, I wonder if I'm drinking too much. And of course, the usual answer was, oh, well, it sounds normal. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about that later, if you yeah. like. You know, that's one of my big things that makes me furious. And it's not their fault. It's nobody's fault. It just is. We, we don't have enough perception of, of, of all of this yet. But anyway, back in yeah. the day, they would say, well, it sounds completely normal. And then they'd say, well, you know, how much are you drinking? And obviously, I'd lie. And I'd say, well, you know, a couple of drinks. And obviously, that meant four. Um, and then they'd say, well, why don't you, you know, just, just, um, you know, cut down, yeah. just have just one. moderate, have, have a glass, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, have a glass of water in between, yeah. I mean, oh, really. Yeah. So and so, I'd go away, and I'd and a little bit of me thought to myself, oh, thank goodness, it's okay then, it's normal. And the other bit thought, actually, it isn't right. I know it isn't right. I knew it didn't fit with who I was. So then there'd be times when I would say, for example, go off and do a juice retreat. Mm. I used to do quite a few uh, retreats with Jason Vale. So I'd go and I'd do a juice retreat. So it's a detox for a week. Absolutely no, um, well, nothing. <laughs> um, just just juices and smoothies, you know. And of course, I would come out that week 
feeling fantastic, feeling absolutely amazing because I hadn't put any mm. toxins of any kind in my body. I never once fancied a glass of wine. Of course I didn't. It was, you know, why would I? I was putting all this amazing good nutrients in. And on one occasion, I remember that while I did this retreat, I, I felt fantastic. I also read... Um, I think it was something like Alan Carr's book, or, or maybe it was Jason's own book, Kick the Drink Easily, while I was on the retreat, came back and I thought, oh, I'll carry on the good work. And so I didn't drink for, I think it was a good six months. Now, that was a massive thing. But when I look back, mm. I realize that um, that I didn't have the same mindset that I have now. Mm. The mindset was one of, oh, I've been kind of, if you like, NLP'd. Um, brainwashed. It wasn't exactly brainwashing, but you know what I mean? I'd kind of, I'd, I'd managed to instill in my brain that I must not drink, that alcohol is not good for me. And that, mm. that thinking, that sort of um, response stayed with me for a good number of months until all of a sudden it was a sunny day and somebody offered me a drink. And the very next thought was, well, I've got this, of course I can mm. have one. And then it all ran mm. back in again. So I sometimes, I'm not, I've no idea if that's what you asked. Sorry. But I was, I was just thinking how interesting it is that my <laughs> yeah. mindset was completely mm. different to what it is now, because now my mindset is totally different. It, my mindset now is, well, yes, of course I could have one or more, but why would I choose to do yeah, that? Yeah, why would I want to? Why? Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, I wonder I if you to? had, because I... Both Kate and I uh, sort of did a period of of non drinking, then then went back to drinking. Just like I think Kate was, how long was it? It's about over a year, wasn't it? I, uh, yeah, thirteen. Yeah, months. mine was literally wow. about a year and two days, and it took me a really really long mm. time to kind of sort of understand what happened um, because I was very much, as you say, like brainwashed into not like like in a really brilliant way I was like sobriety is amazing and you know I'm gonna do this and then I think what I realized that subconsciously and 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 I'd kind of forgotten that there had been something that like if I can do a year then I don't have a problem and there was some sort of within my mindset of like mm. if I can do a year that proves that I don't have a problem and also at that time my yeah. mental health was very very bad so it was it was kind of like I'm 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 working on curing my depression so there was those two kind of elements so it's like like a like I worked myself off antidepressants so I was like I'm better and be like well I've done a year so I can't have a problem and even though it wasn't very kind of forefront in my mind those two things were like Lit and I was like I celebrated my year and I was so happy I was like I've done a year this is amazing and then one friend sort of mentioned something about moderating it was just like yeah I think I can have a glass every now and again and that was it I was just like yeah me too and I was just like undid yeah. all that good work mm. over a year so it's crazy um and I do think for me understanding that and just keeping that sort of element of inquiry open and also really kind of investing myself in the sober community kind of has made the difference now because it is it's like it's not only is it yeah. something yeah can I just say Go something mm. can I just say though that um That's sorry fine. I'm really interrupting you then I'm used to it <laughs> no no <laughs> <laughs> but I was just gonna say that I really related to that because I used to be um uh 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 journalist 
and on the Daily Express. And we used to do this thing on the women's desk called um, Spa Report. And I love the fact that it was like a report. So it was really serious, but it wasn't. It was just so that we could go and try out different (laughs) spas and have lots of freebies. And with that, you'd go on a spa and like have loads of nice treatments and do juice diets. Mm. And then it was just like literally just kind of hit the bar and I really really sort of relate to that that sort of disconnect between you know and and feeling and the amount of acupuncture I had and I used to go and he used to say um and I would always be a bit aware of alcohol breath because I was always hung over when I had acupuncture and he'd go "Mm, there's something with the liver (laughs) and the gallbladder yeah (laughs) and I'd be like yeah Oh God! So anyway, sorry. I just wanted to put that in there. Just remind, just really reminded me of that, like you know, that sort of dichotomy of no, no. I'm looking good. I'm doing all my health stuff, but I'm just gonna go and get pissed, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was um, it was practically yeah. my life for many years because you know my my, yeah. my website is called Imperfectly Natural. Thank God I chose that title <laughs> because you know that gave me the leeway, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. You know, but, but but I made a real thing of it. You know that yes, I don't get every everything right I mean I was fairly bossy I still am about a lot of health stuff and you know I you know my skincare is organic and I clean the home without chemicals and I'm I'm queen Mm. of all this stuff and yet somehow I just didn't make the goddamn connection and when I look back I find it incredible that well I say I suppose it isn't because we know it's everywhere and it's a societal norm but why couldn't I see that how just how terrible this was for me you know yeah. in, ev- in every yeah. respect both physically and emotionally yeah. well it's the the yeah. addictive drug side of it and also the normalization exactly. of it exactly. that it's just you know it is yeah. and mm. you know and and there is a whole part of the wellness industry that is still about you know including alcohol and oh god yeah have you seen those memes where people do yoga yeah. with wine what oh god don't hell? get me started oh, on my that god <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I've got a member, a sort of extended member of the family who does things like that oh. and is doing the cocktail and yoga thing. And I am just, I oh, just, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, oh, just it's nowhere sacred. Just leave the yoga alone. <laughs> leave the bloody yoga. So, so, so when yeah. you kind of, yeah, you, you, you were going to sort of make a good go of this, what, what resources helped you? Where, yeah, how did you get sober? Yeah, so what, what, well, what happened for me, which you, you may already know, I've told this story a million times, but I, I work on um, BBC Radio 2 and we interview um, celebs and authors and, and etc. And usually if you have an author coming in on the show, you're given the author's book the night before, if you're lucky. Sometimes it's on the morning. So you don't usually have much time to to really read it, which is fine because we're asking, you know, sort of... Um, questions that punters would ask and so it doesn't matter that you haven't read it all but on this occasion it was Christmas um, 2017 the end of 2017 and um, before we broke up for Christmas and we had a two-week break I was given Claire Pooley's book The Sober Diaries and the producer said oh um, Claire's coming in on our first day back January the 4th or whatever so um, have a read of this over the over the Christmas period oh my god I you know I look at this title and I think this is the only time in the whatever 15 20 years I've been on the show literally that I've Mm. ever been given a book and given two weeks Mm. to read it and look Mm. at the title of this book and I just knew it was like a light went on I just knew before I even opened it so I I put off reading it as you can imagine put that one on the shelf until uh, (laughs) I put that I put it away till after Christmas 
And then I, I started reading it. I'm quite a quick reader. So I didn't have very long um, to, to change everything. And, and literally, I think I started reading it on something like the Boxing Day or whatever. And, and that was it. I, I stopped on, uh, January the, on, on December the 30th. Um, so I didn't even, didn't even do a New Year's Eve. Um, and uh, and that, that was it. I, I mean, I didn't tell myself at that point that I was stopping forever. That felt mm. too big. But I, I thought, okay, I'm going to be interviewing Claire on January the 4th. I at least, you know, it would be great on air to be able to tell her that, that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the path. I'm at the very least going to do 30 days because obviously it was dry mm. January. So I knew that that would make it a little bit easier for me. But I think somewhere deep down, I mm. actually knew. Um, you know, what was amazing about that book was it, you know, it was so relatable and she was just like me. She was a busy mom and mm. she, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so the relatableness of it was just incredible. Um, and so that's what got me started. Now, um, I've also said many times that I felt such a sense of shame. God knows what that is about. Mm. But I've heard a lot of people say it, that I didn't tell a soul apart from Claire. <laughs> Claire was the only person that I told that I'd quit. I didn't tell anybody, not any, no one in my family, no one. Um, and, mm. and which was just bizarre. When I, when I think back, I could have made it so much easier for myself if I'd, you know, if I'd shared it with somebody, if I got some support. But Claire was my only support. So she would email me occasionally. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, so on the one hand, I think that's utterly barking mad that I that I didn't share it. But on the other hand, in a funny sort of way, I'm quite grateful now because I can look back and think, okay, so I got through three Mm. months without telling Mm. anyone other than Claire by email. So what did I do to make it to, to get through that, mm. if you sort of mean, to make it okay. Mm. Um, and anyways, the answer to your question, sorry, I keep going off on tangents, but the answer is what got me through those early weeks was just inhaling Quitlet mm. and podcasts. I mean, literally, mm. I, I've read every single, I mean, the books were just mounting up, mounting up. I think the family were getting <laughs> suspicious yeah. because I'd never ordered so many books in my life. And I would kind of do that thing of rushing to the door in case it was a, a parcel mm. for me, you know, before they opened it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But literally the Quitlet and the podcasts um, was was what changed everything because it enabled me this time for it to be very different. So on the one hand, I had mm. the kind of um, the NLP, you know, I reread Jason's book and I read Annie Grace and I read Alan Carr and all the all that kind of stuff, all the logic, mm. I call it. But then I also yeah. read the inspiration and I now parrot this phrase out all the time that, you know, emotions, not logic, inspire action. Actually, mm. you need them both. You know, it's a phrase, mm. phrase I use when I'm coaching people around kind of public speaking. Yes, you need your facts. You need the logic. You really need that stuff to kind of give you foundations and underpinning. But actually, without mm. the emotional connection, you're not yeah, going to make it happen. So and that's what I got from the, the podcasts and the memoirs. And, and, and mm. I was able to catch sight. That's the thing is I, I caught sight of the fact that life mm. was better. And that was a, something I had never imagined. If you'd asked me before that, before reading Claire's book, about giving up, I would have said, yeah, I know yeah. I need to. I need to. It was a case of I, I ought to. I must. It will be better for me. But, you know, if you'd said, do you want to stop drinking? Hell yeah. no. Of course I don't mm. want it because, because the perception was that I would lose everything. I would have no fun, mm. I would, you know, you know all, the, all the stuff. So when I was able to catch sight that life was 
better. That was a whole new concept. And the podcast and the Quitlet opened up this whole world that I never knew was there. It was That's amazing. interesting. I've never, yeah, I've never seen it like that. That's the kind of triangle of the three that, you know, yeah, you can keep reading the kind of the the facts, the logic, etc. cetera. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, mm. it's taming the elephant, isn't it? It's, um, Exactly. I was going to yeah. say it's the elephant yeah. and the rider, yeah, exactly. isn't it? It's the, um, um, yeah. So what? What yeah. in terms of? Yeah. So there's obviously been you know positive impacts. What's the biggest area of personal growth, or you know what's the biggest gifts of sobriety for you? Oh gosh, I could go on forever actually, <laughs> but um, I suppose um, I mean ev- everything is better. Literally everything. Um, I suppose that if I had to choose one, it's um, the fact that I have been able to, I mean, this sounds so naff, but I don't know how else to say it, but so I've finally been able to embrace the concept mm. of self-love. You know, I mm. have I have been um, a Hay House author for years. I've interviewed all the, you know, leading Hay House authors over the years. I, I was on Hay House radio for several years. So there really actually isn't very much that I don't know logically about um, meditation and spirituality and self-love. The, I mean, Louise Hay yeah. is queen of loving yourself. You know, we mm. most of us mm. know, you know, she used to carry around a little mirror in her bra so she could whip it out and say, hey, I love you. And, and you know, and I, and I would kind of talk <laughs> about this, but at the same time, I think, absolutely bonkers. Um, you know, so, so I, there isn't anything I don't know about this stuff. I mean, I'm ensconced in it. Every minute of my, you know, sort of working life was around trying to encourage people towards this kind of um, self-love and self-compassion and, and, and all of that stuff. And yet, if you'd ask mm. me, honestly, if it was true for me, mm. I'd say, don't be ridiculous. That's for other people. So I totally, mm, yeah. again, it's that emotion's not logic. I totally understood it, but it, it had no truth mm. for me at all. And so mm. when, I, when it very slowly dawned on me over, and it was over a long period of time, that I was, I was over time getting a concept of, oh, hold on a minute, maybe I can actually start to love myself. It was, it was incredible. I mean, literally yeah. incredible. Because, mm. because sobriety was that missing piece of that yeah. sort of, you know, spirituality and, and holistic picture jigsaw. It literally was mm. the missing piece. No wonder I couldn't love myself before because I wasn't authentic mm. with who I thought, you know, was meant to be. So I couldn't mm. love myself because it was this dirty, great, big kind of lump of shame and, and guilt and mm. inauthenticness. It's not a word anyway, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, but, I really yeah. relate to that. Really relate. Yeah. And, and that kind of disconnect. I yeah. mean, I know that I talked on here a bit about going through, listening to Tara Bracken, getting the self-compassion piece and actually realizing that when I drink, it causes a disconnect. Yeah. So, and I can't find myself for about a week of it. It caused such shame. I don't know why. I'm not going to overanalyze it. It's just once I'd made that, like you, like I said, you, you know, that was the piece. That This was the piece that allows yeah. me to hear yeah. Yeah. what else is going on and to not disconnect. And yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, it, it was it. It's it's totally amazing, and I I mean I think you know there's been so many areas, but but that for me. So now I finally can after all these years of en- trying to encourage other people to <laughs> meditate. I amazing. can now meditate yeah. for a bit. You know, I mean I still have, I still have a lot of shopping <laughs> yeah. lists coming in and Four all. Four children, but, you know, I, I, show, <laughs> I show up. 
exactly you know I, yeah. but I show up for it that's the difference yeah. you know I show yeah. up for it or I and I do you know kind of now oh, it, it's it's incredible that I was so good at telling other people what to do and so rubbish at doing yeah. any of it for myself and and that's really mm. been the massive massive change I think is that um that uh and 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 you know I'm less anxious again I I didn't know that I was how I didn't I had no idea of how anxious I was until I wasn't until mm. until I had that thing of waking up and I mean I love waking up sober oh it man is. alive isn't it the best but you know I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd wake up and I'd have this kind of I couldn't place the thought like what was the thought was I what was it you know when you're kind of half awake half asleep and then I it would suddenly dawn on me that it was okayness yeah. you know, contentment I mean, there's a thing that I'd never yeah. had before. Yeah, I totally relate. And mm. before we kind of get on to your work with um, the Sober Club, um, just because obviously we're all mums, I wondered how it had impacted your your role as a parent, because we talk a lot about that on the, on the mm. podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know that there is this phrase, um, no regrets, you know, have no regrets. Well, I'm sorry, but I do. <laughs> I have a mm. massive regret that I didn't do this sooner. Mm. Oh, God. I really, really wish that I could roll back the clock and have done this when the kids were small. Um, because I, I am, it's, it's changed everything in, within my kind of parenting. It, just everything. I'm so much calmer, so much more able to um, choose my battles. Yeah. You know, we all know that phrase, parents. Mm. Um I'm I'm just nowhere near as fearful. I'm kinder. Uh, I mean, it, it, the difference is just absolutely amazing. It, what's quite funny is what, that one of the first experiences that I had was um, when I uh, when I was finally out. You know, which which was after about three months. I sort of tentatively told a few people, and then my one my my older son um, rang up and was stuck somewhere, and it was midnight. And I and I said, oh, I'll come and get you. I'll come and get you. And it was, it, I just yeah. absolutely burst into tears. I couldn't believe Aww. the absolute joy of being able to get in the car and collect him at midnight. I mean, I've 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 since got used to that. <laughs> yeah, one. That's exactly. not quite <laughs> Is he that now? Is it like I wish I hadn't yeah. opened yeah. that? <laughs> I know. I was like, in principle, yeah, I can is, see it, it, how yeah. that's. Yeah, in principle, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> but in practice, but you know, the other thing is, yeah. But 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 you know, the fact that I'm, you know, I've got I've got well, three three teenagers and and, and one who's um, twenty one. But I'm I'm now modelling something different for them. I mean, mm. who knows what will happen? And this is a conversation that I have a lot with the guests that I interview. I've, I've just interviewed an amazing, amazing um uh parenting sort of uh, psychologist actually you'll love it you'll love those yeah. interviews I'll share them with you um because you know just about about how how as parents how do we model um you know well, well alcohol really and and the truth is we can't just steam in can we and shout thou mm. shalt never drink you know it, because it's yeah. terrible and 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 it's a real delicate balance of 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 how we go about this and and I'm not you know I mm. I don't know how we do it um, but all all I know is I feel much more confident now that they've they they can see what's going on with me. You know, we I, I had a birthday party 
a few weeks ago before lockdown. <laughs> I got one in. Oh, God. Well done. I am so grateful. So grateful. <laughs> it was incredible. And and I was, it's the first kind of party I've had in, in, in a few years. So I invited people that I hadn't seen in absolutely ages. And most of them mm. didn't know that I wasn't drinking or, or wasn't on their radar. And, and they were pretty much everyone who came still drinks. And of course, I was not going to be doing that. So I, I, I decided to have an afternoon party that was cake and mocktails. Um, and and so it was, you know, it was quite a brave thing to do. I'm really glad I did it. But actually, the kids before before it happened, they were all saying, so you're seriously going to have, you know, X and X friends that they knew from the past. You're going to seriously have them around and, and you're not going to serve them any alcohol. So mm. that's absolutely right. And you know what? They're going to love it because we had a whole menu of amazing alcohol free drinks. and We made mocktails and we had kombucha and all the rest of it. Um, and of course, Brilliant. they absolutely loved it. Absolutely mm. loved it. So I suppose it's just that's all we mm. can do, isn't it? I suppose is model, model what we want. Model them the to positive. Do. Yeah, the positive. The exactly. fact that you can still celebrate and socialise exactly. yeah. with that in the picture is a huge bit of yeah. modelling. Yeah, I mean, I sort of say like yeah. at least they they have knowledge of choice. Like you know, I grew up and, and there was no yeah. kind of yeah. choice element, or you can, or you. Some people drink, some people don't. You know, the first person that I met that didn't drink, I was 20, hang on, how old was I when I met? 20, 23? Yeah, 23 was the first time I met someone yeah. that didn't drink and it blew my mind um, and actually really helped me that like my <laughs> my husband's sister doesn't drink, she's never drank and I, and she's like a beautiful, you know, chic French woman, very attractive and just drinks posh tea. And I just thought it was the coolest thing like I'd ever mm. seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, mm. at least our kids have that kind of like, well, my, I mean, my husband still drinks. So it's like, well, Papa drinks and mummy doesn't. And I can see what I think mm. about it kind of thing. Yeah, and that also models the fact that you can have a relationship where you do mm. that, that. There's choice in that, mm. you know. Well, I in terms of the, as well, that I don't drink yeah. and he does, right? Well, he, yeah, he does. You right, don't. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a thing. Mm. You know, it can be a thing. It was a thing. It doesn't have to be a thing. It's all just part of that kind of well, you know. It's not like okay, well, one does yeah. and one doesn't, so we split up. It's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's that, um, it's that thing yeah. of, you know, won't won't it be great if, you know, sometimes I people say to me, oh, what would you wish for, you know? And, I, and my answer would be that, it, that it's as normal to choose not to drink as it is to drink, yeah. rather than it just being this, you know, bizarre thing. And we're getting there, aren't we, I suppose, slowly. Oh, slowly. slowly. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, obviously both you and I, we are grey area drinker coaches. We just, uh, we... <laughs> trained with uh, yeah. Jolene Park so um yeah Jolene, if you yeah. tell us a little bit about the the sober club and and what your work in sobriety yeah I mean I I um I started by uh doing the podcast alcohol free life I started that um just over a year ago and the reason I started that was because I'd kind of exhausted <laughs> all the podcasts there weren't enough podcasts as it were for me to listen to so I thought you know I've got access to some great people I'll I'll, I'll really want to do some interviews so I, I started that and I absolutely love doing that because I you know just to get the well the same as you you know you get these brilliant people on and it's it's magical to be able to to share this stuff so alcohol free life is is my kind of labor of love my, my podcast 
Um, and then um, I decided to start the the sober club because what was happening was I was um, I was finding that I wanted to share loads of stuff around the what's next. So I find that there's a lot out there for people who want to ditch the booze. You know, there are a lot of programs and um, and forums and um, courses for people who want to give up, uh, which is fantastic. You know, there's challenges and there's all of this. But I was finding that I wanted to share all my other stuff, you know, with my imperfectly natural hat on, because I was finding that people were sort of saying, okay, well, I've, I've, I've ditched the booze, but now I'm really starting to think about my nutrition and I'm really starting to think about meditation and, and, and I'm starting to think about my purpose and whether I want to change career or write a book or start a charity. And it all sort of started to come together and I suddenly, it suddenly clicked and I thought, hold on, mm. this is the work that I do. This is everything I do with my yeah. other two hats on. You know, yeah. I do sort of PR and media training and confidence coaching and all of that. And I do this kind of health and well-being stuff. So it makes absolute sense to to kind of reach out to people who want to do all of that, you know, bit bit by bit over time or some of it, but underpinned by 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 you know being choosing to be sober. So I I thought, you know, well I'll 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 see what happens. And again, it was one of those things that I I think it's so funny in life, isn't it? You know, you, you can you can plan forever in a day for some stuff and it doesn't work. And then other things, you just throw it against the wall and it kind of sticks. And I and I thought, you know, well, I'll just I'll open this up for a month. And if nobody's interested, I'll just ditch it. Um, but, it, you know, it was it, it was brilliant. And I'm just I'm so pleased that I was able to bring together these different facets of my knowledge because I've got access to so many cool people. It's not just me. It never is just me. I've, I've, I bring in, you know, amazing experts who are able to share their knowledge. And so we've got people in the Sober Club who are, well, they range from people who are on day one right through to people yeah. who are six years sober because everyone's working on something. And that's what's so yeah. beautiful, you know. So there might be somebody in there who is, they're really going, I've got, you know, there's one woman who's joined the club who's who's want, focusing on her sort of mental health and well-being. It's all underpinned by sobriety, but she's very slowly starting to introduce, um, you know, meditation into her life. And then there's other people who are totally rocking it on, on diet and fitness and nutrition. And so there's a real range. And then there are people who are kind of... Um, they're, they're really having a rethink now that they've gotten sober. They're having a rethink mm -hmm. about their whole career, which is something I find quite interesting that people's, they suddenly, I love that phrase, you know, um, alcohol steals your joy and being sober yeah. makes you brave. And I've really found mm. that. So, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a little membership club and, and, and there's, um, you know, a little monthly subscription and people, there's loads and loads of resources and we have expert teachings and meetups and, and there's an online course as part of it called Ooh, Get the nice. the Booze. I like the title. And so, yeah, yeah, could you share with our listeners some of your kind of top self-care tips I guess you know what practices um, are kind of underpin your sobriety you mentioned meditation mm, well yeah yeah I mean I think I think it's for me it's a case of having a mix of a bunch of things you know we talk a lot about the sober toolkit yeah. I know you guys do and for me I think you need um, you need to kind of prep your your resources and I think for everyone the resources are different and I, I really encourage everyone to to 
get in touch with what is it for them. You know, I used to talk about this stuff, but I had none for me. You know, I hadn't worked my, out my own. <laughs> I mean, I now know that my absolute top resource is to walk by the sea. And I can't get to the sea. And I can't tell you how desperate I am. I am desperate. But anyway, um, so I've had, you know, I have to, we have to have more than one is what I'm trying to say. You know, we have to have several resources. And they can be really little things. And it might just be having a bath with some essential oils or, or reading a book or having your favorite, um, you know, I don't know, snuggly blanket or just lying, you know, grounding yourself, walking in there, you know, all this stuff, sitting with your back against a tree, whatever it is, but have your resources. And so I think you've got these kind of self-care resources that we all need, but also I think you need real practical stuff. Like you do need to have prepped what you're going to drink and what you're going to eat. I think this can trip people up so often because they, they go headlong into this, okay, I'm not going to drink. And then six o'clock comes round and husband or partner or whatever pours the usual glass out for you and you've got nothing else. So what do you do? You know, it's really, really difficult then because your unconscious mind will be saying, oh, I can't have that. I feel deprived. So, the, you know, you have to prep yourself. You have to be super grown up about this and, and get the shopping in or whatever. Mm. And, and I, I love the phrase, keep the ritual, change the ingredients. So, you know, if you drink at six o'clock with your husband, drink at six o'clock. Since when did the word drink have to mean alcohol? Since when did a wine glass have to have wine in it? That drives me bonkers. So, you know, have a, have a beautiful glass at the same time as you would normally drink, if that's what you like to do. I love that. There's something that. different in it. Right. You know, just Writing make, and it, make down. it fabulous. Make it yeah, fabulous. Yeah, make it fabulous. Make it fabulous. Pimp it. You know, if it's tonic water, yeah. stick a frozen Pimp berry in sobriety. it. Yeah. I, lo- I love, yeah. when I, I, I first started off having just kind of um, an artisan tonic, you know, a nice expensive tonic water in a nice glass. And I used to drop a frozen berry in it and a little slice of cucumber and everyone go, oh, that looks lovely. You know, <laughs> it's just tonic water with a berry in it. <laughs> so, but I really, I really think, I know this sounds, it just sounds super practical, but you've got to do it. If you, if you, if you're going to get a sugar head on, and a lot of people do in the early weeks, have something that you can, you know, don't, don't just go, well, I can't eat either because I'll put weight on. Get some, you know, whatever it is, 80% or raw chocolate or whatever it does it for you. Pop some dates in the freezer. That's one of my lovely little tips. If you put a date in the freezer, it tastes a little bit like a, like a, a kind of, um, I don't know, like a really funky truffle. <laughs> I mean, not exactly, but it's all right. <laughs> it hits the yeah. spot. It hits the spot. But my point Excellent. is, you've got to prep it. You've got to have, you, you know how when we mm. were, when our kids was, were, were, were young, you don't get out the house, right, without packing your bag. And you've got something for yeah. every goddamn eventuality, <laughs> haven't you? Every, all of us. You know, we've got wipes, yeah. we've got snacks, we've got the bag of thing of yeah. raisins, we've got you know, everything. You've got the cowpole. You've, you've, you've got a change of clothes. You've got, you've got everything. Yeah. You've got sick I was, clothes. Yeah, I once went them. out, when, when I had my first do, my, I, my, my, my um, older one was eight, uh, 18 months and I just had a new baby they were very close in age and I was so proud of myself I managed to get yeah. out of the house right how cool is that with with a two-week-old baby and an 18 month old so I was super proud of myself I got the bag packed I'd done about four nappy changes <laughs> yeah. on the way to the door you know how it is both of them I, I finally got in the car everything was prepped I had everything I, I, I was so proud of myself I look in the mirror I put my top on <laughs> 
I saw her in, I saw her in my bra, in my breastfeeding bra, and you know, and it, yeah. but it, it's a bit like that. We got you've got yeah. prep. You got to think of your yeah. you know prep like you got your to look up to your baby. sober baby exactly, and make sure you got your bra on exactly. You know, think of yourself. <laughs> think of yourself, isn't yeah. you? You are the sober ba- baby, and you have yeah, to yeah. you have to yeah. prep. You have to prep. Over time, yeah. you don't need as much paraphernalia, just like with yeah, the kids. That's right. You don't need as much later on. I, I now can go out without an emergency alcohol-free drink mm. in my bag, but I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't for the first no. three months. I could not because if they, if someone at work had said, oh, we're all popping for a drink, I'm, I'm not going to, well, goddamn yeah. feel, you know, left out because, the, you know, the, the function that we're going to only has wine, mm. beer and whatever. I'm, I'm going to go straight in my bag and, and get out my artisan alcohol yeah spirit, and it's and, and it does kind of yeah, um good for you it empowers you as well within that situation because I have a little kind of um mini cool bag and you know whenever we go to parties I'll take you know three or four beers or take like some mixers and yeah and and also you it's a conversation piece too so it's like oh what's that and it's yeah yeah, yeah. And you, mu- you must find that everyone nicks yours. <laughs> everyone everyone yeah. nicks my alcohol. So I kind of brought that for a reason. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> um, okay, well, we're coming to the end. So um, have you got any other plans or projects coming up in the future that you'd like to share? Ah, yeah. Well, I am writing a book. I'm really excited <laughs> to see your guys' book, by the way. Um, I'm writing a book. I don't know when mine will be out, um, but I am writing a book. So, uh, I mean, really, there's no excuse not to be getting on with it. But <laughs> I probably won't, if truth be told. I'm just going to use this time to um, yeah. to, stay, to stay sane is what I'm going to do. I said to somebody, I had mm. somebody in the sober club was having a total meltdown about all of this and, you know, really, really getting into this kind of thing of, oh, my God, I'm not doing enough. And I said, you know, fast forward 10 years if a small child says to you you know what did you do during lockdown 2020 you know the correct answer is I stayed Mm. sober and I'm grateful and that's enough Mm. that is enough you know 100% if you can't Joe Wicks every day so be it Um, but anyway do you know I did try (laughs) Joe Wicks this morning and and my daughter don't tell don't tell him but my daughter was like this is really boring and I was like that I didn't there wasn't any music and then we just went off and I actually had cheesecake for breakfast (laughs) anyway so I'm writing a book that's true and also you'll love this I'm doing panto oh please god please god theatre's open oh my god I didn't even thought that what are you playing well obviously I'm the fairy godmother of course I am of course I will make all your dreams come true amazing (laughs) so yeah so that'll be a bit of fun if it if it you know hopefully it will be good by then um so yeah and um I've never been to a panto I'm just like brilliant I know oh god you'll have to come see me panto's a fantastic fun Okay, it's a date. We're going to hold you. I, prob- to that. We're I probably be should there. tell you that it's oh, the Isle of well, Wight. So now you're maybe not so I don't interested. know. I've always wanted to go there as well. So there we go. That's no, right. You Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, we always finish with a tip of the day and your reason to love sober today. So, I mean, there's so much you've already given us. But if you've got one, mm. one tip of the day and a reason mm. to love sober, what would it be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, my my tip of the day would be um, 
just to, I love this phrase. I'm sure you've heard it, this phrase, flawsome. So, you know, you are, you are <gasps> awesome, but you might have some flaws and that's good too. So, yeah. yeah so, I so I, I interviewed this fabulous guy um, talking all about kintsugi, you know, kintsugi, which is the Japanese art of repairing something broken. Oh, so with they would gold, take a vase, yeah. a broken vase, mm. and they repair it with, yeah, with a gold joiner. It's such a cool, cool thing. So that's my top tip is to just, just love yourself as you are. Just get in touch with that kind of concept, you know, that, that, mm. that okay, that's I may beautiful. not be completely perfect. Who is? I mean, it comes back to my imperfectly natural thing. Um, mm. and, and so, yeah, just whichever way that works for you, that's, that's kind of a tip. Yeah. And I love that. That's like a, a, a an even more fabulous twist on good enough. It's like, actually I'm more than good enough mm. because of all of these gold, beautiful gold cracks exactly. and this awesomeness. I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. And your reason to love sober. Oh goodness. Well, there are millions. Um, but I think the main reason that I th- well, I think the, the, the kind of nub of it all is that it gives you a sense of optimism and hope and joy. If if I could have chosen a title, I'd yeah. steal Catherine Gray's "The Unexpected Joy of Being mm-hmm. Sober." What a it couldn't be more perfect that title because it is totally mm-hmm. unexpected and it is actual joy. And I don't think I had ever really understood what joy meant other than uh, from be- since being a child, if you know what I mean. So th- my reason to love sober is is I have that, I, I now have back, as it were. I'm sure I had it as a child, but I now have back mm. a sense of optimism, a sense of joy, a sense of hope. Oh, yeah. and of course, I'm getting younger. Yeah. I mean, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How cool is that? You get younger. <laughs> yeah. That's my Thank excuse. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Janie. Thank it's been fantastic I really appreciate to talk it. to you. Yeah. So um, if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, please do reach out. There's so lots of sober communities. There's Janie's Sober Club. There's um, <laughs> uh, there's ours. <laughs> there's, you can get in touch with us at info at Love Sober. Um, you know, she recovers as Soberistas. There's just so many and you will find a, a place to fit. The Soberistas have the anonymous ask the doctor service as well, which is useful at the moment with covid and also you know for that an anonymous thing if you're if you're just starting out and you don't really want to go to your own gp um and alcohol change has agencies of local support in your area if you're uk but do just send up a flare reach out and um and stay safe and we'll see you next week for more chat 